Good morning to you all and a very, very warm welcome to worship. It's lovely to see you all this morning and I know that some people are watching online as well. So welcome to everybody. Sunday School will be on this morning as usual. And it's also the prayer group today at the close of the service. The prayer group today will meet through in the small hall at the close of the service, please. The retiring offering last week for the Centre for Green Economy in Developing Countries came to £195. So thanks to everybody who contributed. If you missed the opportunity last week, you can still donate to today. There's um, the, a, a collection plate at the side door there. <laughs> I couldn't get the words out there. The Kirk Session meets on Thursday of this week at 7 o'clock here in the Sanctuary. The craft team is on Tuesday at 1 and the Bible study on Wednesday at 7. The funeral of Mr John Payton will take place in Kirkgate on Tuesday of this week at 10 o'clock and then to Ardrossan Cemetery. And just a forward announcement that the Guild meets on Monday the 19th of February when there will be a talk by Mrs Brown from the Baptist Church. These are all the intimations, thank you. Good morning. So good to see you all and to be part of God's church. Uh, one of the things that we are so privileged with as a church is to have you know, people who love God like all of you. But more than that, we also have uh, people who are gifted to preach, to sing, to do many things. I mean, it's, it's an encouragement to all of you that if you know and if even if you are unsure please come forward and say I'd love to do something uh, in church because church services are not the show for the minister um, unfortunately that's not the way to go uh, today I have got my diary uh, with me and my notebook with me I'm one of those old schoolers who takes notes during services. So today I have the privilege to bring you uh, the man of God uh, whom you know. Uh, he doesn't like to be elevated otherwise, but um, Andrew will be leading us today. And I think you're going to be seeing something like this so often even with other people who are gifted, who are part of the congregation, who take time to come and lead in God's word uh, and in some way or another. So please feel free to let me know what you can give to God. It's not to me what you can give to God and, of course, to God's people. Um, I would like you to turn to people on your left and your right and say those words that are found in psalm 55 cast your burdens unto the lord could you say that to someone next to you cast your burdens unto the lord cast your burdens unto the lord so it actually says cast your burdens unto the lord for he cares for you so this morning we are here to cast everything unto the Lord because he cares for us. So we stand to sing together our opening hymn, 458.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to praise you just because you are so great and so wonderful. Your power is complete and there is no weakness in you. There is nothing you do not do. We praise you that you see everything to the ends of the earth and deep into our lives. We thank you that there is nothing you do not fully understand. Father, we praise you for your greatness and your supreme authority. It gives us hope and strength as we come to you this morning. We come to you, Father, because in Jesus Christ, your Son, you first came to us. We thank you that you always make the first move. You do not wait to be asked to create, to love, to forgive, or to send Christ to be our Saviour. You made the first move and loved us before we loved you. Father, it is when we become aware of your majesty that we realise how small our lives are. It is when we begin to grasp your glory that can be beheld by your grace. It is when we are crushed by life that we are glad to be strengthened by the knowledge of the empty cross. It is when we are defeated by our attempts to follow Jesus that we are glad to be encouraged by the knowledge of the empty tomb. Father, we praise you because of Jesus. It is him and through your love that we have come to know him as our friend and our brother. It is through him that we know you as Father and that we can be your children. Thank you for everyone who makes Jesus real for us. Thank you for everyone whose words and deeds make it easier for us to point our trust, put our trust in you. Forgive us when our selfishness and our greed make it harder for others to know you. Forgive us the times when we hurt you and hurt others. We ask that your love and your power will change our lives and that we will become channels of your love and hope to those we meet. Father, we sometimes forget to say thank you for the basic things you give to us, our homes which are sheltered and warm, friends and family, water and food. Father, we are very aware that in this world today there is war and hatred, there's earthquakes, volcanoes, and many people are losing their homes. There is food shortages and people are starving. Father, help us to understand these issues more and guide each of us to help where we can. These things we ask this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us when to pray together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Um, a word to uh, the, the young and the, and the not so young, and, uh, and that includes me. Uh, normally, I'm a creature of habit, I normally put my phone in my left pocket and my wallet in my right pocket. But on a Sunday morning, I don't usually bring my wallet because um, it's a bit bulky. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, teachers' pensions are pretty good. <laughs> but this morning, I brought a wallet. And it's a wallet that you've seen before, if you were here a few weeks back. And I'll take it out carefully, this one. I don't know if you remember it uh, and how I came by it. It was given away with the very first edition of the Victor comic. And week on week they gave you photographs of teams. And uh, there's one of them. But I didn't bring it for that reason. Uh, because I've got in it, it's very old. And I brought a couple of coins, if I can get them out. And there, there we are. Now, these are not very usual. I'll bring them over to show you these, these coins. See? They're not the ones that you usually get, are they? No. Don't see them. See? They're old. They're what we call... I'll have a look at them. See? And that's the, and look at the picture, that the British ones. That's not the, the present king, is it? No, no. Well, these are <coughs> pre-decimal coins. It's an old penny, and you need, I think it's 2.2 of the old pennies to make up a, a modern pence. And this is a sixpence. <laughs> 
a sixpence. And it's got the head of uh, George VI on it. And this one, this penny, has got George V on it. Now, why, why I brought them this morning is that when I was a, a, a wee boy in primary school, my, the first pocket money that I got was sixpence. Okay? Um, much later on, it went up to two shillings at ten pence. Anyway, why I brought this is because I can remember distinctly going into the newsagents because there was yet another comic coming out and it was offering a free gift. Now, unfortunately, I don't ha any longer have the free gift, but I can maybe describe it to you. It was, it was a bee, you know, as in buzzing about bee, and it was about that size. It was cardboard and it was, it was quite thin. And round its legs, it had an elastic band, a rubber band, and a, it, a string. And you waved it round your head, and it was supposed to make a buzzing noise. Except the one that I got didn't buzz until I discovered if you bent it slightly. Now you can imagine it was a, a fad. You imagine several, you know, two or three hundred kids all buying this comic and these bees. You imagine what the, the playground was like. It was absolute chaos. And people were getting clattered in the head by it, you know, and, it, and there was fights breaking out, just knows what. Now, the reason I mentioned it was, it was described as a free gift, but of course, it wasn't free, was it? It wasn't free, because you had to buy the comic. And that reminded me <coughs> of something, I couldn't remember who it was that uh, said it, but it was a saying in the United States that uh, there's no free lunch. Because what they used to do is, in the, the bars where they served alcohol, they would advertise free lunch. And of course, people went in. And it wasn't free, because of course you had to buy drinks. And they very unscrupulously often used to, the food that was provided was often very, very salty. <laughs> and why was that, do you think? Because with the salt, you drank more. <laughs> So it became less and less a free lunch. However, I wanted to mention something this morning and mention it to the older people later on, that we are given a genuine free gift. And it's a free gift that God offers us through Jesus. That if we accept that gift of eternal life, then we've only to ask for it. It's offered. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to pay anything for it. We just have to come to Jesus, ask Jesus into our life. And that is it. It's completely free. And so bear that in mind as you go through life and as you go off into the, the Sunday school. I think, um, I think uh, Graham's figuring prominently this morning in the Sunday school. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Right, so, uh, okay, so we'll get into the, the next hymn, which I think is um, it's Junior Praise 71, and it's Have You Heard the Raindrops?
the book of Revelation. I thought I'd say a little bit about Revelation just before we, we, we come to the reading. Um, it, it's a much misunderstood book. Um, and I think one of the things about it is that when, when I was studying, uh, I was saying to this to, to somebody the other day, that um, I really di I didn't do much medieval history. And I really didn't enjoy it or like it. And the reason for that was when I studied um, 19th century history, you eventually could start to see how people thought. You could get into the thought processes. Whereas I could never do that with medieval history. I just simply couldn't get my head round. Now, what, why I mention that is that the language in Revelation and the style of it might seem quite alien, if you like, to us. But to the people of the first century, it would be, mean much more. They were tuned in to the, the thought processes behind it. And so that's why um, I think it's very often misunderstood by us in modern times compared to the people that it was written for. I'll say more about that later on. Uh, so I'm going to ask uh, Fiona to come forward and read from Revelation uh, 22. And we start at verse 12. Listen, says Jesus, I am coming soon. I will bring my rewards with me to give to each one according to what he has done. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Happy are those who wash their robes clean and so have the right to eat the fruit from the tree of life and to go through the gates into the city. But outside the city are the perverts and those who practice magic, the immoral and the murderers, those who worship idols and those who are liars, both in words and deeds. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to announce these things to you in the churches. I am descended from the family of David. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Everyone who hears this must also say, come. Come, whoever is thirsty. Accept the water of life as a gift, whoever wants it. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading of his own holy word. Thank you, Fiona. And Stuart has just pointed out that I did read my own order of service and I haven't uplifted the offering, which would be a bit of a disaster. However, what we're going to do is we'll have it after the sermon, okay, uh, so that we keep the flow going. Uh, we now move to our next hymn, uh, which is 662, Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts.
Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I didn't select the, the title of today's sermon because it's part of uh, Nigel's ongoing um, invitations. In this case, we're tackling the invitation to convert. Revelation, as I said, is a, it's a book which is sometimes very difficult to understand. I uh, remember um, some years back when I was in my first training placement over in Trinity de with uh, Martin Thompson. And we were talking about Revelation and Martin said when he was a, a student, uh, he, he and another student had come out and they were speaking to the, one of the, the janitors. And this man was of uh, Caribbean extraction and he said, oh, so what have you been studying today? And he said, oh, Revelation. He said, ah, easiest book in the Bible to understand. He said, yes. He said, be summed up in two words. God wins. <laughs> and in fact, that is a very good description of what it's about. Now, Revelation means an uncovering or an unveiling. In this case, Revelation is revealing a spiritual truth and it's written in such a way that it would be readily understood by those that were reading it but not by those who were hostile towards them so for example the, um, the writer we were told it was John of uh, Patmore but anyway the, the writer of uh, Revelation was using things that uh, people were able to understand like the, the beast, the 666, six being a terrible, in Judaism, a terrible number. And for it to be tripled was terrible. And then we've got the beast with the seven heads, which is the Roman emperor. And uh, the bride, which is the church. And the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. When he mentioned the bride and the Holy Spirit in there. It's also apocalyptic. I've always probably getting that out. In the real sense that it reveals a divine mystery. And of course, Revelation is very strongly associated with the second coming of Jesus. Now, I say it's misunderstood. It's the revelations that were given to, to John were not given so that people could work out a timetable of future events. It was written to seven churches in what we now call Asia Minor. They were facing persecution from the Roman Emperor uh, Domitian. And Domitian was revived the idea of the emperor being a god. And he was wanting people in the Roman Empire to worship him as a god. And of course, the Christian churches couldn't do that. But there was a danger that they were facing persecution that they might give in. So what is, in fact, the writer of Revelation is doing, he's trying to strengthen these churches to be obedient and not forsake Christ in order to avoid persecution. You see, Revelation is a message of hope. God is sovereign, and although evil seems pervasive, and wicked men are all powerful, their ultimate doom is certain. And that applies as much today as it did back then. That in the end of the day, God wins. God is sovereign. Jesus Christ will return in his glory. And he will return to judge and to rule. And also the other thing about Revelation is it, it's something which is once hidden becomes visible. And Revelation reveals that Jesus Christ will come in his glory for the final victory that the other scriptures just allude to. But it becomes clearly visible through the revelations in Revelation. It urges unbelievers to accept eternal life from Christ. And here we have, in the very last page of the Bible, we have that invitation. Christ is coming, and we're invited to come to him right up to the very end of Scripture. 
Now, I'm going to concentrate on verse 17. So, could I just reread it for you? And I take it from my English Standard Version. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Bride, which is the Church, say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. There, here we have it, in that verse, we have a clear call to salvation. When my mum was in her last days, and uh, she was lying there, and we knew the end was very close, and I was sitting with her, and she said at one point, you know, I wonder if the Lord really wants me. And I said, oh, of course he does. I felt like saying to myself, I was saying, well, if he doesn't want you, I've got absolutely no chance whatsoever. <laughs> and, uh, but you see, she missed the point. Because it's not a question of the Lord selecting us. He offers us all eternal life. All we have to do is take, take the offer. He, God wants us all, and he wants us to go to him. And we see this in scripture repeatedly, famously in John 3.16, which we could all quote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not, <coughs> should not perish, but have eternal life. And then if we look in Romans 5, um, verse 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, Nigel, for a few weeks, and Graham a couple of weeks back, are going through invitations. And we had the invitation from Noah, and now we've got to the last page of Scripture, and we still have the invitation, as I say, to come to Jesus Christ. But the invitation in Revelation is quite urgent. And this is because the, the early Christians, uh, including people like Paul, were convinced that the second coming was imminent, that it was going to come very, very soon. And they were saying to people, now's the time to make your mind up. You've got to come to Jesus before it's too late. And we can see this, uh, the, the idea of the bride longing to be reunited with her bridegroom. In other words, the church with Jesus Christ. Also in that verse, we are urged people are urged to quench their spiritual thirst. Water is often used in scripture to represent eternal life. Uh, even in the Old Testament, Isaiah 55 talks about, come all who are thirsty, and I'm paraphrasing somewhat, without cost. Jesus, when he talked to the woman, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, offers her the water of eternal life. And the very fact that she was a Samaritan and a woman and so on, and he was offering it to her, meant that it was available for everybody. But uh, this was addressed to, this was addressed to all those who are looking everywhere for fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness. And it's perhaps aimed especially at the people that are mentioned in earlier on in Revelation in chapter 17, where it talks of the, the great prostitute of Babylon holding out this gold cup with all kinds of vile things in it. It's representational. And she's urging them to drink from it. And it's all manner of sin and debauchery. And it's true even today that we very often when it comes to seeking fulfillment and satisfaction, people chase after money or fame or drugs or possessions or indulge in all kinds of debauchery, though our definition of debauchery has changed over the years, I suppose. But they're seeking some kind of satisfaction. And yet they can't see that the only true satisfaction they can have is accepting that gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ. And that invitation 
to come to Christ is non-conditional. In John 6, 37, he says, says, this is Jesus speaking, all that the Father gives me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. It, earlier on in Revelation, Revelations 3, it says, see, I have placed before you an open door which no one can shut. God is that open door. The door to God is always open. And in the past, I've used this analogy, and I'll, I'll use it again today without any apologies. It's a little bit like, if you can imagine, you're out on a moor, and it's pitch dark, and there's no moon, and you're completely lost, taken by the darkness. And then in the distance, you see a doorway with a light shining. And you know, right, if I head towards that, I'll be safe. I won't be lost. At least I'll know where I am. Now, who would, in that situation, ignore that lighted door and say, ah, no, I'll find my way. I'll, ma I'll make it, and I'll make it. And it's that analogy with, uh, with God that he's beckoning us. And we sometimes go on wandering in the dark and ignoring that light. You see, what the writer in Revelation is saying, that he convinced that the second coming is imminent. And when that happens, the door will be shut. And it's shut forever. Jesus alluded to this, the, what I should have said was that with this gift, this offer, very often, as I was explaining to the, the young folk, very often with uh, free offers, there's actually a price. In this case, the free gift of the offer of eternal life by coming to Jesus, there is a catch to it. And the catch is, you have to accept it. Um, recently, when we had the Christmas tree festival, I was out in, I was in a very good mood because it was pouring rain, I was handing out leaflets. And uh, I proffered a leaflet to this chap this passing, and before I could say anything, and he said, I'm not interested. And I actually came out and said, as he walked away, well, you don't even know what it is, you know. <laughs> And it's a bit like that. And that's the catch of the offer of eternal life through Jesus Christ, that we have to take it and not say, I'm no interested, I'm going my own way. And Jesus, as I say, alluded to this in a couple of his parables. The one about the, the king who <coughs> uh, invites people to a feast he sends out the invitations and people don't come they ignore the invitation and uh, it appears in both Matthew and Luke um, and the, really the tragic figure in this that story, that parable is the king because he desperately wants people to come and they don't and that's the tragedy of it. I mean, Paul in Romans <clears throat> 10 says, in 21, all day long I have held out my hands to disobedient and obstinate people. And the implication is that they are, he's holding out his hand and they're ignoring him. And remember as well that you can't let time lapse. Remember in the, the parable in Luke about the man who decided he was doing really well and he was going to pull down his barns and build even bigger ones. He's looking to the future. And then that night, his soul was required of him. And the message is, you know, you don't wait. Famous old chorus that we used to sing in the Sunday school. Wait not till the shadows lengthen, till you older grow. Rally now and sing for Jesus every step you go. You see, life does not go on forever. 
and I'm only too aware of that as I get older. And uh, I remember one American comedian saying, you know, he said, you know, these days, he said, we're told that we're threatened by pollution, threatened by global warming, uh, we're eating the wrong things, we're drinking the wrong things, we're doing etc. We've been bombarded by all these things that are affecting our lives, he said, you know, be lucky to get out this life alive. <laughs> and I think that's what some people think. <laughs> you can't live ignoring God, because if you do so, then it's over, literally. Now that invitation is 2,000 years old, and yet it still stands today. The Holy Spirit, the Bride of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Church, are still looking for Jesus to come. The Spirit and the Bride, along with all those who have heard the truth, are still inviting lost sinners to come to Jesus for salvation. Now, the question is, have you received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Have you heard the gospel message? Have you seen your need of Jesus? Have you reached out by faith and taken the free gift of salvation? Because God loved you enough to give his son for you. And Jesus gave his life on the cross to save you. Now if your answer is yes, I have, then we have a duty to communicate that message to everyone. To communicate the offer of the gift of salvation. And I think in, in conclusion what I would say is, and what Nigel and, and uh, Graham the other week have been driving at, is that we face a great challenge in the church. We should be in the business of inviting all to come to Jesus Christ. And really everything we do should revolve around getting the gospel out. Because we live in a world that is growing darker by the day. And we, a bit like the people in these seven churches, are inclined to throw up our hands and say, oh, it's a, things are getting worse. But we hold the light in our hands and our hearts the light that can bring people to Jesus Christ, and that's, let's face it, at the end of the day, all the problems of the world have one answer. And so, it is incumbent on us, and I think this is what Nigel has been driving at, and that we should look out, we have a tremendous gift to offer people, a free gift, the gift of salvation, and we should do everything in our power and our, our prayers to bring that message to all. And we certainly need it in this world. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the time we've had to study. Thank you for the things we have learned. Father, I pray that you would give us zeal for the glory of God and for the gospel ministry. Help us to be energetically active as witnesses. Help us not to be afraid or fearful of it, but to be active in the things that you have called us to do. Thank you for committing to us the ministry of reconciliation, as through God himself we're making his appeal through us. Help us, O Lord, to be faithful. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That, um, that wasn't my prayer, that was actually one I found by an American pastor, and I've forgotten his name. But I thought it was particularly opposite, that's why I used it. So now, uh, getting back to more mundane matters, we'll uplift our offering. <laughs>
Let us pray. In glad thanksgiving for your goodness, we offer you our gifts and pray for the power to offer and present our very selves to you, a living sacrifice dedicated and fit for your acceptance through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We continue our worship with our next hymn, which is 154, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder.
Let us once more join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, rejoicing in your blessings, trusting in your loving care for all, we bring you our prayers for the world. We pray for the created world, for those who rebuild where things have been destroyed, for those who fight hunger, poverty and disease, for those who have power to bring changes for the better and to renew hope. We pray for our country and we pray for our King, King Charles, and we ask that he may be soon restored to health. And we also pray for the Prince of Wales, who now has to take on so many extra duties at a time when his own wife is recovering from major surgery. And we ask your blessing for those who frame our laws and shape our common life, for those who keep the peace and administer justice, for those who teach, those who heal, all who serve the community. We pray for people in need, those for whom life is a bitter struggle, those whose lives are clouded by death or loss, pain or disability, by discouragement or fear, by shame or rejection. And we pray for those in the circle of friendship and love around us, children and parents, sisters and brothers, friends and neighbours, and for those especially in our thoughts today that we remember in a moment of silence. We pray for the church in its stand with the poor, in its love for the outcast and the ashamed, in its service to the sick and the neglected, in its proclamation of the gospel in this land and in this place. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our uh, closing hymn is uh, 248. For my sake and the gospel go.
Go in the peace of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and always.